Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. Coming to you today from San Francisco, a couple days before the start of the regular season, Friday afternoon. Thought I'd do a little fun podcast today with my friend Sam Amick from USA Today. Sam was giving me a hard time on Thursday when my top 100 rankings came out for the upcoming season. So I thought I would take the chance to have him come on the podcast and, and kind of joust me a little bit about the rankings and some of the stuff he took issue with in them. And then we also got into the rest of the league uh, as the season's about to start, talked about the Celtics, the Cavs, the Timberwolves, who he was just with in China, and we hit on a couple of other topics. Should be fun. So without further ado, let me get to my conversation with Sam Amy. All right, Sam, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, final Friday before the season starts, uh, kind of like the last weekend before school starts. And uh, I know that means for you, you're on dad duty, uh, which I know we were talking about before. The podcast includes picking your kid up from uh, a, what sounds like nature week instead of going to school, which for a farm kid is an odd, <laughs> uh, an odd way to spend a week at school. So what, what exactly is going on with the boys this week? Why do I sense condescension in your tone, Tim? I can... Already tell where you're coming from. The the guy from Buffalo. Let me just share with your listeners that you know, as I told Tim about the uh, the program that my son's school has, the same program in a different city that I had when I was a kid. Where in sixth grade you head for the hills and you have an outdoor education of sorts. So that's where they went this week. To which Tim said, "Wow, I grew up on the farm and outdoor ed was every day." <laughs> which you know, which is true. Kind of. <laughs> now, on a serious note, which I, I didn't think of until now, uh, obviously, uh, thoughts are with all the people who had have been impacted up here in Northern California by uh, the fires over the past week. Uh, is there, I, I don't know, like you live in Sacramento. Was this like in the opposite direction of these fires? It just it, I was just curious, or, or like, is the air quality yeah. bad there? Because I yeah, was curious, actually... like out here, the air is not great. So I was curious yeah, what the situation well, was over there. a couple days ago, and as you know, I'm in a suburb of Sac south of the city about a half an hour and a couple days ago the air was really bad here the winds must have changed because it cleared out but we uh the report we got from the camp and it was that that uh the air up in the, in the mountains was much better than it was down here so yes it's in the opposite direction um but like you said i mean just thoughts and prayers with everybody who's going through it right now it's been a terrible situation yeah no it really is it really is terrible so uh, we'll try to, for anybody who's been impacted by that, we'll try to talk about some fun stuff instead. Uh, beginning with my top 100 players yesterday, uh, the list came out and not surprisingly, Sam had a cheeky comment about it as did, uh, <laughs> as did many of other people. So I thought it would be fun to, uh, have you grill me a little bit on, on anything you disagreed with since the whole point of these lists is to cause discussion to begin with. So uh, fire away with whatever whatever ideas you have on uh, well, on the top listen, of our like list. And I should say first, uh, well, I should also say props to our graphics team and specifically Jose Soto, who does an unbelievable job with the uh, the illustrations for the top 100, which is really the only reason that it's worth doing. Uh, anybody could do a list, but those guys do an incredible job uh, making it. Look no, good. you did a great job with it. You know, don't sell yourself short. Uh, more specifically on the graphics art front, uh, props for the Steven Adams face, which was my favorite. <laughs> my favorite one is the James like Harden a, one, but there's a few really good ones. Uh, I'm scrolling through. I got to go look at James again. The Steven Adams one, he looks like a character from like the mummy returns or something. <laughs> he, uh, like with snakes coming out of his Jose head. does an incredible, uh, I don't know how Jose does it. I couldn't even, I couldn't even attempt to do the stuff he does. With who's it, the so. worst one. And, and this is said with all respect, but like, are you, are, is that, is there any kind of commentary coming back where people say, like, was there a bad one? I haven't seen one, but are you guys getting there, uh, criticized for any, when, any particular in, face? In, when we did the top 40 list, there were the, there were some people who were critical that uh, all the African-American players had the same shade of color uh, for a while, okay. which was we were up, we were actually changing at the time anyway. But uh, no, I don't I don't think so. I think there was one last year that people weren't thrilled with uh, for whatever reason. But I haven't heard any. This year, I haven't heard any criticism about any of them, and I, I don't know. I mean, if, Goran any, any criticism, I would, like... I would, I would tell people to, uh, I would tell people to try to draw a hundred faces yourself if you're going to have any right. criticism of how For they sure. look. The fact they all look like I'm the fine. people, I, I think, is uh, is pretty in- incredible. Then I won't make my little joke about. Oh no, go for! I mean, Goran Jose's like not going to care. Mitt, look, no, I'm kidding. He, I mean, Mitt Rodman came to me. Oh, Goran looks like a young Mitt Rodman. <laughs> 
the one that I would say is George that Joe Ingles looks very. No, I mean old. they're great, man. They, I mean Joe Ingles. Joe, Joe Ingles looks. Joe Ingles, I think, looks pretty old in his. But uh, sure. But sure. They, no, but they all. The fact you can recognize everybody here. Here's what I'll say about the the, the how good the illustrations are. I got a graphic from Sam Granados, who does a lot of the like the behind the scenes work for that. He should get a lot of props too. Like he, you could sort everything by category, and he he's in he's in charge of making sure all that stuff works. And he he sent me a graphic uh, social card to send out with the top 100 list, and one of the heads in it was Kevin Garnett from the. Uh, the top 40 uh, players since the merger list we did back in the spring. And the lists are yep. so good that people were racking their brains trying to figure out who was supposed to be on the list that wasn't because that was the one face that they couldn't recognize from the list. Gotcha. Uh, and that was, and a lot of people said, a lot of people joked that it was Mike Wilbon, but most of them said, is that why is Kevin Garnett in this picture? And that's because it was Kevin Garnett. So uh, nice. nice, he, nice. He's, he's yeah. Ingles looks like he, like he's, he's pretty blonde. He's he, like, he, uh, he went the Timberlake route and bleached it or something. <laughs> yes, but uh, they no, look good. They look good. It's, Jose it's does a fun a project. Job. Obviously, you've done it for a couple of years now. Let's start here because you would presume that that we would start at the top. Let's start at the bottom. One thing that came to mind: uh, who was one hundred and one? Like who missed the cut? There. So I did the guy a who's calling the shots here. Well, I I did a list, uh, a couple companion pieces to go with this of. Uh, uh, one was one, yeah. Well, one was guys that could that rose and fell from last year, and the other one was ten breakout guys. And I would say, uh, you know, probably Aaron Gordon was probably the next guy. I'm pretty intrigued okay. about Aaron Gordon. He had a huge second half last year when he was playing power forward full time. The the small, you know, Frank Vogel got to Orlando and said we're going to use Aaron Gordon like Paul George, and that quickly uh, proved not to be the case because Aaron Gordon has really never shown the ability to do the perimeter stuff necessary to be um, to be a, a quality small forward. But he he averaged, I think, like 16 and 8 after the All-Star break, and he, he kind of filled up the stat sheet. And, you know, ever since he came in the league, a lot of people have kind of said, hey, you know, this guy could be Sean Marion if, if everything works right. And I think you saw over the second half of last season when he was playing power forward all, to, all the time that he, he was able to really do that. Now, yes, yeah, after the All-Star break, 24 games – 16.6 rebounds, a couple assists, a steal and a block, shot 50% from the field, 83% from the line. So, I mean, 83% from the line is probably a little high, but if he could if he could do 17 and 7 and shoot 50% and 75% from the line with his athleticism at power forward, that's a really good player. So, sure, you know, I had a whole list of those guys, but he is okay. probably the guy that was closest to being on it that could really jump up if he has a big year. So, more importantly, what in the world does Ennis Cantor have to do to get in your top 100? <laughs> I'll say this. Ennis, Ennis Cantor, Ennis Cantor uh, as the Sam and I have gone back and forth on Cantor for years now because I just can't get past the fact that he's one of the probably five worst defensive players in the league. But Cantor, Cantor's made himself into at least a valuable bench piece during the regular season. In the playoffs, it's tough for him to play, but... You know, to have a guy that can come in and wreak havoc on uh, for 15, 20 minutes a game off the bench and grab a bunch of rebounds and get some get some buckets against you know bad backup bigs like that that's something that can that can get you wins during the regular season. He he was a big part of Oklahoma City being able to prop themselves up last year. Uh, you know, because you you can argue he was their second best offensive player after um, Russell Westbrook. So I actually think he'll put up pretty good numbers with with the Knicks, but. You know, he's certainly not going to help the fact they've been terrible defensively basically for the last 20 years, and I don't see that changing this year. So here's another takeaway, and I'm just going stream of consciousness sure. as, as we're trying to have fun with the list here. Where I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Did Iguodala not make your list? I think he's 45th. 45th. Okay, that I was getting a little bit worried. I thought we were going to have a legit <laughs> debate on our hands here. No. So here's the other interesting kind of takeaway there like one of my favorite stories that i did years ago was trying to analyze and discuss the uh the sixth man stigma and the fact that you know for years and years coaches have tried to convince players to come off the bench and you know that these guys grow up in environments where like iguodala himself had a great quote in that story where he said you just get raised to believe that it's the starters and everybody else is the scrubs that's how you are wired and it's, right. uh, you know, you, you, you kind of see that 
from a financial standpoint, these guys typically are not going to make as much when they're coming off the bench. And even on a list like this, as subjective as it is, the sixth man of the year, Eric Gordon, is coming in at 49th. Iguodala is 45th, you know, a two-time champion. Um, you know, and, and I'm not even quibbling with those guys' rankings. Uh, right. You know, but you kind of see that reflected. Um, what else should we get into? I mean, let's let's jump to the top, man. I, I, I think it's impossible to break down. I mean, that top five, if you're Adam Silver, you're feeling pretty good about your league. I mean, LeBron at number one, I don't think it's going to get many uh, arguments from folks. But from there, you could certainly break down Durant, Kawhi, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Like the idea that the reigning MVP is number five, and that's not crazy, is uh, is a pretty positive sign for the yeah, NBA. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the star power, right? You you look at you know those six guys, and you've got guys like Giannis, you got Carl Towns, you got Anthony Davis, uh, Draymond, uh, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, John Wall, Paul George. I mean, it's a it's a it's a fun time to be around the league right now. A bunch of good bunch of good guys interesting guys that are all kind of at the peak of their powers all at the same time it's you know it's why for me even though I think we both agree that the final outcome of the season is pretty well set barring injury um the the path to there to me is going to be fascinating because uh I just think there's a lot of fun storylines to watch and you know the no small part of that is the fact that the top 10 or 15 players in the league are all pretty damn fun to watch no, they are for sure, and I'm with you. The, you know, getting to that point is going to be fun. Uh, the, the the universal disclaimer is that sports is sports, and that means that you know that the you know how many times have we thought the outcome was predetermined and then it just wasn't. Something happens, even if it's not injury. It's just stranger things have happened. Who knows? And I know that sounds insane because the Warriors are just head and shoulders above everybody else. But uh, but I am excited. I think you are too, as guys who are lucky enough to chronicle this stuff that all of a sudden the path to June is a, a lot more compelling than it was going to be if you hit the rewind button a couple of months ago. And then whether it's the Rockets and what they did and the Thunder and the T-Wolves and the Cavs and the Celtics and that whole dynamic, you know, we are not going to have any shortage of stuff to talk about along the way. And, and even the Warriors themselves, you know, they, they are interesting. They have all these familiar faces back, but a few new ones coming off the bench. They have, I think, year two of the Kevin Durant version is going to be interesting to watch because, you know, and you saw it with a front row seat last year where uh, early on it was Steph Curry yielding and trying to help Kevin Durant get comfortable. And then it was kind of Steph reminding the world who he was as an individual player. And then, you know, their synergy kind of came together at the right time in the playoffs after Kevin was out for quite some time with his injury. So um, super, super interesting stuff. As we make our way down the list here, and in, in the interest of fun debate, like legitimately one of the first ones that jumped out at me that I think is is fair to like is fair to analyze and debate. I don't think Jimmy Butler is the best player on the Timberwolves, and and it's uh, it's an interesting discussion because he's a heck of a player, and it's only one spot. You've got Jimmy at nine and Carl Anthony Towns at ten, but uh, I think I might swap those two. I need to see Carl uh, Towns. I had seventh last year. I probably should have dropped him a little farther, in my opinion. He was horrendous on defense last year, and I really thought that the the reason, the main reason why I thought the Timberwolves are going to be a fifty win team beyond Tom Thibodeau showing up and their defense overall being better was I thought he was going to turn Carl Towns in his second year into a guy who was going to be a borderline MVP candidate. I thought he was going to be a dominant force at both ends, and he to me just didn't put in enough effort on defense and um, that needs to change for me. Jimmy was incredible last year. He carried that Bulls team to the playoffs. Um, You know, I think they would have beat the Celtics if Rondo hadn't gotten hurt, which is still crazy to think about. Um, So, but yeah, I think you're right. It's a fair, you can, you could debate that either way. Certainly Carl has the ability to be in the top three on a list like this, you know, and Jimmy probably doesn't. I mean, Carl's a seven-footer who can shoot threes, who can do literally anything on a basketball court. So um, right. if you tell me next year Carl's ahead of him by a few spots, it won't surprise me at all. I just wanted to see, you know, I, this year to me it's about him making making that effort on defense that he didn't last year to really become a guy that I think could be in the top five of this list for a long time. Yeah, no, I think the upside is there. You're dead on. I mean, he's got more upside than a guy like Jimmy. Jimmy's – Tremendous. Um, as a quick aside, I mean, I'm I'm dying to see like you. You are going to be forever infamous, and we're going to give you a hard time because you predicted 50 out of that team, and and now that's become like a fun little subplot to last season. 
but like I completely understood why you were all in on that group and going into this year um, my interest is going to be I mean I and I was with those guys in China um, for the China games with the Warriors and uh, I, I just I'm curious how year two with Tibbs is going to go because uh, and I've kind of written some of this stuff about the idea of the kinder, softer Tibbs, and I might need to go run a correction on that. <laughs> well, he I was going to say, uh, let's let's get back to the list in a minute. Let's talk about China. You were in China yeah. with the Warriors and, and, and Wolves. And, I mean, I don't really want to talk about the Warriors much. We talk about them enough. I'm, I'm much more interested to hear what your thoughts were on the Wolves, being around them. Uh, you know, I thought it was kind of fascinating that Tom took them to San Diego for a week before going to China. I mean, they were basically not home for three weeks. Uh, which I thought right. was interesting. They obviously have a lot of new pieces, but I thought that was an interesting decision to do that. I know that um, I think if I think the Warriors wouldn't have, I, I don't think the Warriors would have done that if they were in their position. I think they would have just gone to China. I think a lot of teams probably would have just stayed home and then gone to China. So um, what, what was kind of your takeaway from being around them? And from my understanding, it sounded like Tibbs was uh, very much in Tibbs mode and that while I think the Warriors practiced twice while they were in China, I think the Wolves practiced just about every day they were there. Yeah, I mean, you're dead on about the San Diego thing. Those guys were out, uh, you know, however many of them have families, they were away from their families for a pretty extended stretch. And even the, the logistics were super challenging because if you were a Minnesota staff member who was going to go to China, when they finally were ready to go to China, that meant that the charter plane left Minneapolis, went to L.A., uh, picked the guys up there. You know, so that's stop number one. And then and I learned a lot about the politics of international travel, you know, and, and intercontinental like this, where there's like a two tier system because there's only so many planes that can make that are available for charter that can make the trip to China without stopping to refuel. And unfortunately for the T-Wolves, they did not get their hands on one. So they went from L.A. to Anchorage, Alaska, sat there for 90 minutes and then were on their way to China. And like you said, you know, the, the compounding component to it all was that they had spent all that time in camp together and and Tibbs's feeling a strong feeling is that he wanted team bonding chemistry time and there's certainly a value in that but by the time I connected with those guys and started talking to them a couple of days into the China trip everything you're saying is dead on that they practiced more than the Warriors I had multiple people telling me that that it was a about as you know, polar opposite a contrast as you could have imagined between the Wolves and the Warriors. Steve Kerr was sitting there with a team that just won the title and that by and large is, is taking a more of a laissez-faire approach uh, with kind of a long view in mind than maybe any other team in the NBA. You know, they play music in practice. They want happiness. They want joy and they work hard, but it's not like a Tibbs team that, you know, Wolves players, we're kind of openly talking about how, like, holy Toledo, we just got off the plane. We're straight into a practice. You know, it's a long one. We're going every day. I had asked one guy, you know, like, what is it like in practice where, you know, if, if you just fall off, um, is there a consequence? How tough is it? And he kind of laughed. He's like, you just can't fall off. It's just all there is to it. You got you to gotta make, you know, you got to make it happen. So um, I don't know if that was a camp thing where he wanted to start with a punch to the mouth, so to speak. And then eventually he tapers off a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, they were pushing pretty hard. Well, and, and I, I, I saw some people critical of what, uh, Tibbs said about how, and I think he said it a couple times. Like, I think he said it a couple of times in camp is that, you know, th- this, this team isn't about potential anymore. And I saw right. people pushing back on that because, Oh, Carl Towns is 22 and Andrew Wiggins is 21 or whatever, 21 and 22, whatever their ages are. Um, I'm with Tibbs though. Like, this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in its history unless Kevin Garnett's been on the team. And Kevin Garnett, in the last time they made the playoffs was 2004. Like, this isn't a team that, and, and they just, they trade for Jimmy Butler, they signed Todd Gibson, they signed Jeff Teague. Like, it's not acceptable for this team to win 40 games this year and, like, take a step. Like, they, they are, their over-under is 48 and a half. And, like, they should be a team that wins close to 50 games. Um, sure. You know, I, I don't understand why people would push back on him for saying that, that there's a culture, you know, I don't you, know that you've been in that. I, I think it's just the me, you know, how are you going to get to that? end, and is this the best route? to No, take? no, no. I, I agree. I yeah. agree with that. I just meant people being critical specifically of that quote. Um, I, I'm with you 100 percent. Like, I, I, listen, I, if you I were, thought the China stuff was kind of silly. any of the, the video. And again, as a guy who likes Tibbs a lot, um and does respect the heck out of him. I mean, I picked him for coach of the year last year. I thought he was going to really make a difference. Right. But, um, you know, 
if you were in the room and you heard like put it this way and i'm gonna out one of our buddies our buddy nick Friedell of espn who has dealt with tibbs a bunch being in chicago mm-hmm. uh had kind of joked that that he he felt like some of tibbs's lines in the post-game presser that night mm-hmm. like he's he's like i wouldn't be shocked if he actually wrote those lines down oh like, probably deliver, you know and, probably and, and because the other line from that night was that uh, he pulled a pop line where somebody was like, by and large, are you happy with uh, your team's development so far in camp? And he said, happy, I'm never happy. You know, like he was just <laughs> right. hitting it hard when right. it comes to grumpy. Tim. And then the ripple effect was hilarious because Andrew Wiggins gets up there and, and you know, and to, to paint the picture for you, it's a regular podium setup, but it's Chinese media for the most part. There's only a handful of us from America. And so, it's a, it's a weird dynamic. So you have a Chinese reporter trying to convey to Andrew Wiggins that his coach just announced to the world that he's never happy. And what Wiggins is trying to process this. And he's like kind of shrugging like, wait, what, what did Tib say? Like, what am I having to respond to? And <laughs> the, the whole mood is like, geez, like our coach is just killing us right now. So there was a theme. And again, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Tibbs just felt like, you know, I'm going to shock him in the beginning with this kind of approach. Uh, I mean, at some point you, you got to think he calms down a little bit, but he was pretty intense early on. Oh yeah, no. And I agree. And I just, to be clear, I, I, I I'm not even, I'm not even disagreeing with any of that. I just thought like, to me, I, I do think that they're like, I think the people that are trying to say that the Timberwolves need time, like they don't really have the benefit of time. Like this is a right. team that if they're not good, there's going to be consequences. Like, I mean, even the fact that Jimmy Butler is a free agent in a year. Now, you could say they gave up, they didn't give up a ton to get him, but if they struggle this year, Jimmy Butler's going to be going into the final year of his contract. Is he really going to want to be part of that team long term if if they're a 40 win team this year? Like, I don't know. Um, So, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. If you want to avoid that uncomfortable uncertainty next season, you've got to get something done this season because otherwise it's going to be all bets are off. Yeah, and look, if they struggle this year, look, Tibbs got brought in to produce, right? right. And, like, if, right. if they if they win uh, if they win 40 games and miss the playoffs or struggle to get in or get in as an eight seed and get blown out by the Warriors or something, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions about the direction of that franchise. So I, I, I'm, really, I'm really fascinated by them on a lot of levels because it's a it's a huge year for them you know you you had talked to Andrew Wiggins he had expressed you know he'd said he was eventually going to sign that max deal he finally did uh yesterday you know a couple days ago but you know there's a guy that a lot of people question whether he is necessarily a max guy um hasn't really shown he can do the other parts of the game besides score um yet in his career well, that was the other not to interrupt you I no go for it this little go for window. it i think I know we're kind of getting off the list a little bit, but hallelujah to the NBA where you can be. Was was Wiggins 53rd on your list? I believe I so, yes. Yeah, like max money at 53. That's pretty damn good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> he was 53rd. Uh, yeah, no, they have a lot going on. So we can circle back. We can circle back to the list then. But I, I just I just wanted – since you brought up the Wolves, I wanted to – I wanted to touch base on what you thought about them in China because they are, to me, they're going to be one of the real fascinating teams in the league this year because um, for all the stuff we talked about between Jimmy and Wiggins and his town's going to take a step and how is Tibbs going to react if they struggle. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff there to unpack and to see how they go. No, there is. And, I mean, I, I noticed uh, a good column that another friend of the program, uh, Matt Moore of CBS, had written that, that had gotten my attention talking about the T-Wolves offense. And I think he had – described it as, you know, if you compare the Warriors offense to the T-Wolves off, uh, offense, the Golden State was more of the Swiss Army knife with, you know, coming at you from a number of different ways. And Minnesota was like the blunt force weapon, the, the way they, they ran <laughs> yeah. things. It was like, now we're going to dominate you with Carl, and now we're going to dominate you with Jimmy. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can get these pieces together. I mean, Jamal Crawford and Taj Gibson, good veteran additions. Uh, Jeff Teague and, and how he's going to fit. You know, we'll see more shooting than they had before. And uh, and presumably more defense, so you know they've got a ton of expectations. Yeah, no, it should be fun. It, it, I'm I'm very excited to watch them. Like you said, one of uh, one of one of several teams that I think are going to be really interesting this season for sure. I agree, my friend. What should we hit on next? Um, well, if if let's uh let's just let's just look ahead to the season here. We've got, like I said before, we've got you know a couple days before the season starts. 
you know, we just talked about the Wolves a lot as something that I'm interested in seeing. What are a couple things? I assume you're going to be, I'm going to be at Cavs Celtics and then in the Midwest next week. I assume you're going to be uh, sticking around the Northern California to see the Rockets and Warriors on Tuesday. But what, um, what are some things you're excited to see as we kick off here and just from around the league uh, as you, you know, we kind of get ready to dive into this, this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Um, I, I am uh, in the post-China days here. I'm, I'm making a concerted effort to stay in the Pacific time zone for a little bit. Uh, still uh, feeling the effects of that 15-hour jet lag. But uh, I'm going to do Warriors Rockets for the opener. And then it's TBD from there. I, I kind of want to get down to L.A. and maybe check out Lonzo Ball's uh, the debut to his career. But he's a little bit on. He's kind of a 50-50 prospect to even play in that game with that ankle injury that he has. So that's kind of determining what I do. But but that, even if I don't go, that as we get closer to the season, that's the kind of stuff that I'm getting excited about is because you kind of forget how long that list is of interesting storylines, interesting young players. Like there's a stretch in LA in mid-November that got my attention where it's like the Lakers play Philly. And so then you've got Lonzo, number two pick against number one pick Markel Fultz, but also Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, the guy who you took a bunch of flax for for having him in the 60s on your list. But, I mean, you're dead on. Like, his injuries have been so bad that, you know, we just – every day that he's healthy and playing is a blessing. So, the, the young talent in Philly. And then a couple of days later, the uh, the Lakers play Phoenix, I think in Phoenix. Or, no, it's at home in L.A. But you got the Devin Bookers and Josh Jacksons. And, I mean, the next crop – that's coming up is is more you know I, I love just that combination of the star power that we talked about in the top 10 of your list uh, and, and then these guys coming up who look like you know they're going to be in that top 10 maybe in five six years is pretty pretty good stuff yeah no I, I think you're right I have that I have that section of uh I have that section of the of the month of November circle too uh to check out some of those games because you know I am I'm really excited about the Sixers. They're going to be, you know, finally we did get to see Joel Embiid uh, play on Wednesday in in Brooklyn. He was great. Um, and, yeah, I had him 68th on the list. And like you said, there was, you know, I was what you kind of poked fun at me about on Twitter, and you're not the only one who said something. But, you know, the guys played 31 games. Oh, no, 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 I know you, no, I know you were. But I, I, I think it's a real a legitimate question. Like he – you know, I even wrote in the blurb, like, you know, he's 68th, but on talent, he's at minimum 40 spots higher guy um, right. and probably higher than that. But, you know, when you've averaged 10 games a year in three years in the league, at some point to me, I just need to see the guy play 50 or 60 games. I mean, if he could play 60 games this year, he'll be in the top 15 probably next year because he'll right. he's that because there's I mean, again, like Towns, that's a guy where you look at him on a court and there's just nothing that guy can't do. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postup newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash postup newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Well, along those lines, since we're focusing on the young guys, I mean, Embiid missed his shot at Rookie of the Year and the injuries got his way, and Malcolm Brogdon got it, but uh, I don't know if you've done picks yet or if you have, I haven't seen them. Where, where, what are you looking at when it comes to Rookie of the Year, which I find to be one of the more interesting races that we're going to be dealing with this year? Well, to go back to the list, I, I'm going to put my predictions out on Monday or Tuesday, but... Um... I, to go back to the list, I had two rookies on the list. I had Ben Simmons at 99 and Dennis Smith at 100. And to me, one of those two guys is going to win rookie of the year. I think um, I saw Dennis for a bit in Dallas. I think he's going to have a monster year. Uh, Rick Carlisle's never been one to be huge on young guards, but I think you know he and the Mavericks, I think, understand that their entire future revolves around making sure Dennis Smith becomes a star. And 
if you watch that guy play even for five minutes, he's going to be a guy that people are going to just absolutely love as a player. I mean, he, he is constantly trying to dunk on people. Um, he can shoot the ball. He, he can do pretty much anything you want out of a point guard. He's a big physical guy. You watch him play, he reminds you of Derrick Rose. Like, he, he was his favorite player growing up, and you can kind of – he's got the same kind of just otherworldly athleticism and just ability to fly up over anybody. Um, so I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity in Dallas, and Carlisle's a great coach, so I, you know, I think he'll put up numbers. And, and look, Simmons is a guy that you know, his shot is going to be an issue, but he, he's already going to come into the league as one of the better passers in the league. He's a 6'10", 4", that can do anything. The, the Sixers have kind of said he's going to be the point guard for them. You know, I think Markel Fultz is going to be really good, but it seems like they're going to let Simmons kind of have the ball more and have Fultz play off the ball. Um, so I think his numbers will be good. So to me, you know, even though there's guys like, you know, De'Aaron Fox and Sack, who I think is going to be a really nice player, but still has to, you know, get minutes behind uh, George Hill. George and Hill. I think yeah. the Lakers, like Lonzo Ball is going to have a, a fun year in L.A. They're going to be fun to watch, but I also think they might win 15 games. I mean, I think they're just going to be atrociously bad, um, even though they're going to be fun. Uh so uh, I think a lot of these other guys are the top way to of the list. Guys like LeBron, by the way. As well, side. yeah, I mean we can get to them in a minute, but but uh, but yeah, no, that that's kind of where my head's at. I think that I think that no, uh, I think that, that Simmons and, and Smith are the are the top two guys, and I'm still trying to decide which way I'll go. My guess is I'll probably pick Simmons since he's a year older. I would say that I'm going to go with with Simmons if I had to pick one. It's fun. I mean, as a spoiler alert, we did our picks and and we were shooting a little video yesterday kind of trying to talk about them around the horn style and on rookie of the year i think that was the only one where even with all those great candidates that you mentioned uh our whole group four of us was in concert i think we had simmons for all four and you know i do kind of believe in the it's like the blake griffin narrative and the idea of a guy who gets hurt comes back you know uh even more raring to go than before And, and it's not technically his rookie year but he gets the job done. I think Ben's going to be good. And, you know, listen, I know it's a small sample size, but the storyline we didn't see coming was Kyle Kuzma being the best Lakers rookie of them all early on here in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, he's been something else. He's um, been good. I was down there a little bit. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think the Kyle Kuzma thing is going to cool off at some point. I mean, he he's shooting an insane number from three, even including summer league that, you know, after basically not shooting threes in college. So, I mean, right. I have a feeling it's going to fade at some point. But look, even if he just becomes Actually, an right. average rotation player, at getting him at 27, that's a big win for the Lakers. If you get a guy like Larry Nance, like Larry Nance, I think they drafted at 27 a couple years ago. You get a guy that you can play for four years for a couple million dollars a year uh, at sure. the back of the first round, that's a huge win. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly didn't know his game that well at Utah. I, I laughed yesterday because I went to lunch with, uh, and I won't out him completely, but with a guy who went to Utah. And, and he was at lunch going, good Lord, like, I was waiting for years for, you know, I wanted to see that guy at Utah. Never saw that guy. <laughs> and, you know, now he's doing this with the Lakers. And then even Lonzo Ball, I know it was in jest, but there was a soundbite from Lonzo where he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, he wasn't even that good in college, you know. So yeah. we'll see if he can keep it up, but uh, another exciting rookie. Yeah, and, they, and the Lakers in general are going to be really interesting to me. I mean, I, I spent a few days with them last week, and I think they're going to be wildly fun. I mean – there's an energy around that team now that's very different. People obviously are really excited about Lonzo, and you can see why. Like you just, he's got an it factor about him when you watch him play. Teammates like playing with him because he gets the ball moving around. Um, he he obviously plays the way that uh, that that Luke Walton wants to play and wanted to bring over from Golden State, and and he's excited about it. But I just think they're going to stink. I mean, their defense right. I think is going to be atrocious because I just right. don't I just don't know how they're going to stop anybody. They don't have any. I mean, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a solid to above-average defender, but you look up and down the roster, I mean, do they have another average defender on the roster? Uh, I mean, it's, no, I, it's hard to see. Hate. I mean, Lonzo's going right. to be rough. Brandon Ingram is still young and pretty – pretty uh, needs to get a lot stronger. You know, Randall and Nance are probably at best average defenders of power forward. Brooke Lopez can block shots, but um, not – you know, can't really move his feet, can't get out in the pick and roll. Um you know, I, I just, I just think their their defense is going to be really bad, and you know they'll, they, you know, last year they won their first ten game, they went ten and ten, and then they won that ridiculous five games in a row, and they were trying to tank, which wound up, you know, getting them Lonzo Ball in the end anyway. But you know, in between right. they were ten and fifty, and I just, I just feel like that's a lot closer to what their actual talent level is than the, uh, 
you know, the, the, the brief hot streak at the beginning and the brief hot streak at the end. Well, this might be a pot of his own, but since we kind of hinted at it, like, in your opinion, does does any of that matter when it comes to some of the possibilities next summer, or is it just going to be in free agency wise, or is it going to be, you know, fantasy GM stuff where it's it's uh, you know, hey, I'll meet you in LA, and it's LeBron and whoever he wants to bring with him. I mean, I, I feel like that landscape, as we've talked about off air, has changed recently. Russ reups in OKC. Paul George talking like a guy who very well might re-up in OKC. You know, people don't think Melo is going to leave $26 million on the table to leave OKC. You know, the list of guys that LeBron could team up with with the Lakers, I don't know who's at the top of that list now. If it's DeMarcus Cousins, if it's guys like that. Um, you know, I, I've kind of been in that camp where I say, I understand that the Lakers have put themselves in a better place brand-wise to, to make players and stars feel more comfortable going there but like it would be pretty shocking to see I mean I think you know them showing some progress and momentum and that the young players could partner with these older vet star players I feel like they, there has to be progress and like you said there's not a lot of reason to think there's going to be progress I mean these guys are really going to struggle yeah I think it's going to matter a lot actually um right you know me to too. me I mean look LeBron James is not going to go sign up to be on a mediocre Lakers team like he's just right. he's just not going to do that. I mean, for a guy, for a guy that still is somehow in his prime after all the miles and minutes he's put on his body, uh, if assuming he makes the finals again this year and gets it to eight finals in a row, this is a guy that that is extremely cognizant of his legacy and what he's trying to accomplish in his career uh, to look back on. And you know, you and I both know that guy's really proud of making seven finals in a row. And if it, sure. if it gets to another one, eight finals in a row. So is he going to throw that away to go play on a mediocre Laker team? No. I mean, if he can, right. if he can go there with Paul George and somebody else or a couple other guys and then maybe go toe-to-toe with the Warriors and take them out, okay, maybe then he'll go there. But I don't see him, I don't see him going there with one guy to play with Lonzo Ball at 20 and Brandon Ingram at 22 and not really anything else unless those guys – really look like they are going to be, you know, superstars right away. And, right. you know, considering Ingram, who, you know, I think can get better. And, you know, I talked to him last week, and he, he's an interesting guy, and he's an easy guy to root for. But, you know, he was, you know, just saying it bluntly, he was one of the worst uh, players in the league last year and had one of the worst rookie seasons ever, especially when you consider the pick he was. So you factor that That's why in. I picked him for most improved. Well, I mean, look, I don't like to pick second year players for most improved, but but if you're going to yeah. pick a guy, he's a good candidate because he's going to. Well, he was. He's going to have the March ball. April. He was. But but, but he's going to have the ball a lot. He was before then. Yeah. He was, he was rough. It was rough. It was rough. Right. So you know, for, for him to make, he'd have to make a really big leap. And Lonzo would have to make it would have to prove he's as good as people think he's going to be, which I think he's going to be really good. But he's also a guy that think is going to need some time. Um, to, to kind of get himself sorted. So, yeah, I don't think – I really don't think it's the fait accompli situation that, that a lot of people have assumed that that's just going to happen and the Lakers just have to sit patiently for a year and wait for it. I mean, it may well happen that way, but, you know, there there's a lot of stuff that's at play. And I think that Russ signing that extension really does change the calculus quite a bit because if you – if he hadn't signed it and we got to next Tuesday and – he was going to be a free agent in the summer and Mello and Paul George are going to be a free agent in the summer and LeBron was going to be a free agent in the summer. Then all of a sudden you could start to really start to get creative with some potential future teams that you could throw out there against the Warriors that, that would make things interesting. But like if those guys all stay in particular in Oklahoma City, I, I just think it's going to be really tough for them to, to find a way to convince LeBron that, that that's the right situation for him to go to, at least in the short term. Maybe he waits another year. Maybe he does something else. But – yeah, um, I, I, I don't think you. it's. I mean, I even another guy, thing. another guy who comes to mind, you know, Isaiah Thomas, that took it personally when the Lakers, you know, he didn't show more interest when he was a free agent and yep. when he was before he blew up. And so you look at Isaiah as a guy who has a similar affinity for the Lakers and for Kobe that Paul George does. But again, if you're talking about LeBron worthy star pairings, I mean, Isaiah's hip is a big deal, and Isaiah's not a young guy. And so, I mean, is that the kind of thing that, that gets LeBron excited enough to, to, you know, if LeBron and Isaiah both leave Cleveland and head for the Lakers? I don't see that either. Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, I, I think it's, I think that's going to be, 
Um, and, you know, it's obviously a subplot that's not going to go away all year, but um, I, I definitely don't, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule anything out. I think we've learned that in the NBA, but I certainly don't think it's the, the guaranteed thing to happen that, that a lot of people have just kind of assumed that it is. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, no. So, so what you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Isaiah there and you, you know, Isaiah, you know, really well going back to his days in sack at the beginning of his career. What, what are, what do you think is going to happen with him this season? I mean, to me, I don't honestly think it matters if he plays a game or not all year, uh, to what Cleveland does. I think they're, still the best team in the East, whether he plays or not. I still think they're going to lose to the Warriors pretty handily, whether he plays or not. Um, that's not a knock on Isaiah. I just think it's, it's kind of a weird situation that the, the Cavs are in. But, um, you know, what, what are you kind of expecting to see happen there? Because this is, like, you know, like you mentioned, his free agency is in a year, and he's dealing with this really serious hip injury. And, you know, that, that's going to be a really fascinating subplot to this year. No, I agree. I agree. First of all, has Isaiah seen your list yet? Because he's, you know, he, he likes fuel for the fire, and and we know that uh, he's higher than he was a, last year. So you're a big John Wall backer, by my unofficial metrics. If John's at 14, and Isaiah, I think, is 29, I think does that mean? Did you just make a statement that that John Wall is twice as good as Isaiah? <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly <laughs> what I said. I will say this: the people made a lot out of John Wall saying he's the best point guard in the East a couple weeks ago to our friend Brian Winhurst, and I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't really see that. Uh, I, I, I no, see... no, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I meant I don't yeah, really. You agree with I don't really see what the the big to do was about. I, I think sure. that's a pretty obvious statement, at least in my opinion. Well, two way player, dynamic player. I mean, I'm with you. He was he was great last year. I in general, we haven't even touched on the Wizards. I think we're still sleeping on them a little bit. Um, but to your question about Isaiah, you know, I, I just, I'm curious just when we're going to see him. You know, you hear, I mean, even within the last couple of days, I had a couple of conversations where you kind of sit there and go, man, are we really going to see Isaiah? Uh, are we going to see him before the, the start of the new year? Are we going to see him uh, by February? You know, what's it going to look like? Um, and, and that's a moving target that I think, I, I mean, I, I do tend to think it matters a lot. I, I'm not, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I, I mean, I like, LeBron and D Wade being back together again and the depth that that Cavs team now has. I mean, when you're talking about bringing J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson off the bench, those are luxuries. Um, you know, Derek Rose, can he be a, a solid role player and a guy who, you know, who kind of makes the most of this opportunity? We'll see. But, but I think Boston's going to be really good. I, I don't feel like, I feel like that gap is, is uh, a little thinner than, than you do. And I've heard you talk in other shows. And so, well, I was yeah, one, one of my one of my bold. Let's just stop there for a second. I, I put out today my bold predictions for the season, which is where the the Minnesota fifty wins thing came from last year, and uh, one of them is that the the, the Celtics aren't going to be a top two team in the East this year. So uh, so let's so so give me your give me your case <laughs> for why they're going to be as good as you think they're going to be on the Celtics side. I mean, here I'm going to argue against myself because their depth is is a problem so that's something that the Cavs have that they don't and and I'm also breaking my own personal edict a little bit with a lot of teams this year of getting optimistic and bullish on teams that we have not seen I I normally take the flyer where I say you know I I need to see 20 games with the Kobe and Dwight Lakers to know what they are and then in the end you laugh when you you think back on the Sports Illustrated covers about this is going to be fun because what we thought in the beginning is very different from what we saw in the end. But from the Celtics to the Rockets to the Thunder um, and, and even the Cavs to an extent, like, you know, that, that part has changed. I just – I feel like the Kyrie-Gordon-Horford combo uh, is extremely complimentary. Um, I would be putting them head and shoulders above in the East if they hadn't lost Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. I feel like, you know, those are big-time losses. And it's, that's the stuff that we can't quantify yet. Is, is how much it affects Brad Stevens' defense, how much, you know, I mean, Gordon has been a very, very solid defender in that jazz system for a while, but I think he's going to have a lot of pressure on him uh, because, yes, the East might be weaker, but th- you're now the guy who's got to try to check LeBron four times a year. So a, a lot of questions to be answered, uh, but, you know, I, I like their mix quite a bit. So here are my issues with the Celtics. Uh, they, 
obviously made themselves better in the long term with the moves they made this summer. I think Isaiah's obviously a young, or, or Kyrie is obviously a younger and more talented player than Isaiah. Um, I, but he's he's never had a year like Isaiah had last year. He's never been that good. Uh, he's a guy that has consistently had injury issues. Uh, so I mean, or is he going to be able to play eighty games? I, I, doubtful. Um, I mean, I think if you're the Celtics, you probably hope he plays seventy. And if he plays more than that, that's good. So I think that's going to be an issue for them. Uh, the fact that, you know, people like to talk about how everybody wants to play small. Now, the Celtics really only have two legit bigs on the team. They've got Al Horford and Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines already sprained his knee last week. Um, sounds like he'll be okay for the opener. But, you know, they don't really have any depth up front. So if, if they have, if, you know, if Horford has missed some time in the past with injuries, if he gets banged up, if Baines gets banged up, they don't really have any depth up front, which I think would be a problem for them. And they're, they're also going to be relying really heavily on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two guys that are 19 or 20. Brown you know, played sparingly as a rookie, looked promising, and they're obviously very high on Tatum after trading down to, take, to, to get him with the third pick, and I think they would have took him first. But um, I think you know, your, your point about their depth, I think, is really where I come down. Last year, the Celtics won 53 games because Isaiah pulled out a lot of games late, and they just had enough depth to kind of allow Brad Stevens to try a lot of different stuff and get them through the season. I mean, this year, I, I just, I really think they're going to struggle. Um, their defense, I think, is going to take a step back. They don't, they don't have as much shooting. They need Kyrie to really take a step forward as an overall player, which, you know, I, I'm never been the, the highest on Kyrie. I'm not convinced he's going to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think, and even though I think they've got a chance to maybe even be better by the end of the season, um, they're a team that in the short term, uh, I just think they're going to get off to a rough start because they, they have a lot of new pieces they have to try to make fit that are going to be, uh, are going to be very awkward for them to, to try to, to try to get going right away and be really good. I mean, I, I think uh, even if, even if, uh, even if you think they're going to end up being the second best team by the end of the year, I think it's just going to take them a lot of time to make all that work together properly. No, I mean, those are all sound points. <clears throat> I feel like, you know, a lot of this on the Celtics debate comes down to, your uh, your level of confidence in both Kyrie and Gordon as stars. You know what I mean? Like Gordon played outside of the spotlight for the most part in Utah. And, you know, I, I heard the uh, the pod you did recently where I probably fall more on the David Thorpe side where, you know, David had talked about Gordon being, I mean, a, a high, high-level player who, uh, who was a major upgrade at that position. So I see his upside as being extremely high. And then with Kyrie, I, I'm with you. In terms of the jury's out, there's not. I mean, Gordon has proven to be the kind of guy, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can that you can build around. I mean, that's what they did in Utah, and, and Gobert certainly accelerated. Yeah, and the I'm, whole process. I'm and I'm I'm in that camp too. To be clear, on Gordon, I think he's the okay. best player. Yeah. So, but with Kyrie, it's just it is. It's a very different challenge. And if you want to simplify the story of his career, it's the fact that you were not able to lead the Cavs anywhere before LeBron came. Like you know, individual stats be darned. And then you played a, a very good sidekick role when he was there, and you got a championship. But in terms of um, taking on the kind of responsibility that he pursued by asking for a trade out of Cleveland, uh, more power to him because. You know, it's the old saying, if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe in you. Like Kyrie clearly uh, is telling the world that he thinks he can be that guy. But, you know, we got to see if he can actually do it. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see. So, all right, Sam. Well, thanks for going around the league and checking out a bunch of stuff. I appreciate it. Um, we'll let you go get uh, get your kids from, from nature camp. And, His uh, worthless week of nature camp. <laughs> and before before you go, though, uh, just let – I'm sure everyone follows you already, but let them know where they follow you on Twitter. And if you got any uh, – if you got, if you got any uh, stuff coming up, you want people to keep an eye out for. You know, feel free to feel free to plug it. Yeah, I mean, we got a bunch of season preview stuff. The the Twitter handle is at sam underscore a m i c k. Um, you know, on the bigger than basketball front, you're gonna write something in a couple of days as we go into the season, trying to I guess educate or chronicle folks on. The, uh, you know, anthem debate aside, um, the great lengths that NBA players have gone in the last year to try to make an impact on society, which is uh, every, every so often, I think you probably agree, you know, I enjoy writing the stuff that has a little bit more meat to it, a little more substance. And, and so that's something I'm going to get into going into the season. Look forward to writing that. Hopefully people enjoy it. 
And uh, other than that, like for all the reasons we just talked about for the last little while, I mean, I'm excited. It should be a fun year. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really great. Looking forward to it. So, uh, so thank thanks again, man, for doing this. And I will uh, I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. Thanks again to Sam for coming on the podcast. Be sure to go follow him on Twitter and check out his work. He's one of the best. Does a great job. So be sure to check his stuff out. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can find me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. You can find my work at the Washington Post website and also in the pages of the newspaper. Please go find the podcast and give it a five-star rating and review wherever you, can, wherever you find it. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on TuneIn, on Radio Public, and on iHeartRadio. So any of those places where you go get it, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Helps us out a lot. Really appreciate the support. If you got any comments on it, feel free to hit me on Twitter or send me an email at timbontemps at washpost.com. That'll wrap things up for us this week. We're going to come back next week. We'll have uh, the final two preview podcasts. The Southwest Division preview will launch on Monday. And the Central Division preview will launch on Tuesday uh, where I'll, when I'll be in Cleveland for Cavs Celtics, the Kyrie Irving return to Cleveland, and the start of the regular season, which should be a heck of a lot of fun. So thanks, as always, to everybody for checking this out and for listening. And we'll talk to you all again soon.